Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We're going to go way back, way back, way back. I told you this when we were first starting Samuel, probably, I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two ago, as Pastor Jim filled in the pulpit for a while, and then we went to the men's ministry. So it's been a while since we went over this. I want to go over it with you again tonight. The Old Testament is divided into four major sections. The law, history, poetry, and prophecy. This is Christianity 101 Bible stuff. The law, history, poetry, and prophecy. The law books are Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. And these relate to Israel's moral life. The history books, and if you don't get them all down, wow, that's a lot. If you don't get them all down, don't worry, I'll go over it again with you. Uh, probably next week and a week after till you get it all down. The history books are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, the history books. These books relate to Israel's national development and life. And then we have the poetry books. The poetry books are Job, Proverbs, Psalm, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. These books relate to Israel's spiritual life. And then finally, we have the prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, and Daniel. These books relate to Israel's future life as fulfilled in the Messiah. The law books, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the history books, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. The poetry books, Job, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, the prophetic books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. The prophetic books are divided into two sections. The prophetic books are divided into two sections. We have the major prophets and the minor prophets. The major prophets aren't called the major prophets because they're in the major league. The major prophets are called the major prophets because of their length, because of of their length. The major prophets are called the, uh, the, uh, the minor prophets, pardon me, are called the minor prophets because they're smaller in length. They're smaller in length or shorter, if you will, than the major prophets. So the major prophets are major because of their length. The minor prophets are minor because of their length, because they are shorter. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, which was also written by Jeremiah, 
Ezekiel, and Daniel. The 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. I want you to repeat those after me. Uh, Repeat them back to me. I can't even I can't even repeat them back. (laughs) First Samuel is in the historical section of the Old Testament. Here's the Old Testament or pardon me, the book outline for first Samuel. The outline for first Samuel. We've gone over this quite often. First Samuel's chapters one through seven are written about who saints? First Samuel's chapters one through seven is written about who saints? First Samuel chapter 8 through 15 is written about who saints? First Samuel 16 through 31 concludes the book is written about who saints? Who is anointed as? You know that. Now, if you were with us last time, not last week, but last time, two weeks ago, we covered 18 chapters. Remember that? That was a record. Amen. And we learned in 18 chapters, God was with David. Saul knows it. Jonathan knows it. The people know it. His wife knows it. Everybody knows it. Look at chapter 18, saints. Back up with me. Look at chapter 18 in verse 1. Chapter 18 in verse 1 tells us the soul of Jonathan was knit to David. Jonathan had a deep brotherly love and respect for David, and they trusted each other. Jonathan and David were comrades in arms. They were a lot alike. They were seasoned soldiers, bold, men of faith, men of action. Look at verse 4 of the same chapter. Jonathan and David made a covenant. Jonathan took off the robe and gave it to David. Jonathan was saying, David, here's the royal robe that is mine by birth, but yours by divine choice and ordination from the sovereignty of God. Look at verse 6 of the same chapter. David is returning from battle with the Philistines. And these Pentecostal ladies came out singing and dancing. Saul is slain his thousands. David is is, uh, ten thousands. In verse 8, Saul was angry and jealous because they ascribed ten thousand to David and only a thousand to Saul. And from this point on, Saul wants David dead. Saul decides to send David on a dangerous mission to get a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, thinking surely he would be killed in battle. Look at verse 26 of chapter 18. David thought this was a good idea. And the Bible tells us it pleased him. Are you looking at verse 26? The Bible tells us it pleased David. You can't keep a good man down. David killed 200 men and bought 200 foreskins of the Philistines Gross. <laughs> Write that in your margins. He bought 200 foreskins of the Philistines, not 100. Verse 28, Saul understood the Lord was with David. Interesting, the closer David got to the Lord, we pointed this out the last time, didn't we? The closer David got to the Lord, the further David got from Saul. The closer David got to the Lord, the further he got from Saul. And isn't that how it works, saints? It works that way. When you're walking with God, there will be a distance between you and people who are not walking with God. And that's true. When Saul made uh, himself an enemy with David, he became an enemy with God because the Lord was with David. Look at verse 30 of chapter 18. David's name became highly esteemed. Because of David, the nation is building national pride again. Because of David, Israel is getting good press. Because of David, Israel has been getting victory. 
a victory that they hadn't seen in a while. David's name is recorded in the Old Testament more than any other Bible character. Did you know that? More than Abraham. Abraham's name is recorded in approximately 12 chapters in the Bible. More than Joseph. Joseph's name is recorded approximately 13 chapters in the Bible. More than Jacob and more than Moses. There are 65 chapters in the Bible about David. His name means beloved. Write that down. Beloved. David is mentioned over a thousand times in the Bible. Think about that. This is the first David in the history of Israel. They had never heard that name before. David. Now, for us, it's a very common name. David. It's very common for us in our culture, but not in Israel. David. His name is recorded a thousand times in the Bible. Well, be that as it may, we pick up in chapter 19, saints. I've titled this sermon, Dealing with Difficult People. Don't stand up. <laughs> chapter 19. Look at verse 1. First Samuel chapter 19 and verse 1. If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants that they should do what? Kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. And so Jonathan told David, saying, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I'll go out and I'll stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. And then what I observe, I'll tell you, David. And thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. And he said to him, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, dad, but because his works have been very good towards you. For he took his life into his hands and he killed that big Philistine, Goliath. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for Israel. You saw it. You rejoiced with everybody else. Why then would you sin against an innocent blood to kill David without a cause? And so Saul, in verse 6, heeded the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Well, then Jonathan called David. And Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in time past. Saints, let's stop right there. Give me your attention. Saul can't take it anymore. He is tired of trying to kill David. He has tried and tried and tried many times to kill David. Chapter 18, if you were with us, you know David held a guitar to worship, and Saul held a spear to throw. Saul threw the spear at David twice. That means he missed twice. That means David had the opportunity to throw it back twice. And when that didn't work, Saul tried to kill David by sending him to get the foreskins of the Philistines. And when that didn't work here in chapter 19, Saul places an all points bulletin out on David's life. Now, think about how demonic this is. It just occurred to me today. Think about how demonic this activity is. Saul is trying to kill the one who collected everything to build the house of God. Saul is trying to kill the one who would write the most beautiful worship songs. Saul is trying to kill the one who first used musical instruments to worship. Did you know that? David is the first 
to use musical instruments in worship. Saul is trying to kill the one that the Messiah would come through his lineage. Now Saul is openly saying, I can't take it anymore. We just need to kill David, point blank, period. Look at verse two. Tells us that Jonathan told David, my dad's going to try and kill you. And Jonathan walked a dangerous line between loyalty and his father and love for his friend. And Jonathan decides to stand on the side of truth. I love that. He didn't stand on the side of his father and not necessarily on the side of David. He's standing on the side of truth. Look at verse four. It tells us Jonathan spoke well of David to his dad. Now I find it interesting, even though he didn't agree with his dad, even though he knew his dad was breaking the commandment, thou shalt not kill, Jonathan didn't disrespect his dad. As a matter of fact, he showed honor to him by speaking respectfully to him about David. Look at verse three. It tells us he stands beside his father in the field. Now, Exodus chapter 20 says, look at me, please. Exodus chapter 20 tells us, honor thy father and thy mother that your days may be long upon the earth. Honor your father and your mother that your days will be long on the earth which the Lord your God is giving you. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 tells us, honor your father and mother. This is a commandment with a promise. It doesn't say, listen to me close. It doesn't say if you have a good father and a, or a good mother, honor them. Y'all need to hear me. It doesn't say if you have a godly father or a godly mother, honor them. God says, honor your father and mother because I've asked you to be obedient. We're to honor our parents because God asked us to honor our parents. We don't honor our parents because they are worthy of honor. Don't get me wrong. It's a wonderful thing when they're worthy of honor. Sunday, we, Mother's Day, we honored the mothers by showing a cute little video of a little boy, a little black boy. He was so funny. It was hilarious. Were you here? Y'all, if you weren't here, you missed it. I ain't showing it again. It was awesome. We honored the mothers, but the Bible doesn't say we're to honor our parents because they are worthy of honor. Especially in the culture we live in, people are crazy nowadays. People, the world is crazy. And sometimes honoring your mom and your dad can be very difficult. I got you. But we don't honor our parents because we feel that they are worthy of honor. We honor our parents because God said that is what we're to do. There were a lot of things about Jonathan that, um, uh, that, that, that Jonathan couldn't honor about Saul. And there were a lot of things that he could honor about David. But Saul was the vessel that God used to give him life. And your father and your mother is the vessel that God used to give you life. And that's why we're to honor them. And in honoring them, you're honoring God. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 31, it tells us, don't turn there, but it tells us that Saul had three sons, Jonathan, Abinadad, and another boy, I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> Look it up. 1 Samuel 31, have at it. The sons were killed in battle, and later Saul died in battle. Jonathan was awesome. Jonathan was obedient, and he was brave, and he was faithful to God, country, and his father. Jonathan died being loyal to his father, even though his father wasn't worthy to be loyal to. Look at verse 6. 
in verse chapter 19. Jonathan says, Dad, don't sin against David. He hasn't sinned against you. He even took his life in his hands by fighting Goliath for you, for Israel. Jonathan pleaded with his father not to kill David or shed innocent blood. In a moment of sanity, Saul heeded the voice of his son. And he says, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. Saul has changed as a change of mind, but not a change of heart. This is a case of remorse and not repentance. Saul, Saul's word is as good as water holding in a rusty bucket. James chapter four, verse eight tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James chapter one, keep that verse there for a second. Write this down. James chapter one, verse eight tells us, he that is a double-minded man is unstable. Anybody know? In all his ways. The Greek order of that verse says, the man double-minded is unstable in ways that are his. The man double-minded is unstable in ways that are his. Now, if you look up double-minded in the dictionary, you will see a picture of good old U.S. of A. We are a double-minded culture. We are a double-standard culture. We are living in a weird culture. Double-minded. I think of the story of these two men who lived in a small village and they got into a terrible dispute and they couldn't resolve it. So they decided to talk to the town judge. Well, the first man went to the judge's home and he told his version of what happened. And when he finished, the judge said, you're absolutely right. Well, the next night, the second man called on the judge and he told his side of the story and the judge responded, you're absolutely right. Well, later the judge's wife said to her, to her husband, she said, honey, she said, those men told you two different stories and you told them they were absolutely right. That's impossible. You told them both. They're absolutely right. That's impossible. They can't both be absolutely right. And he said to his wife, you're absolutely right. <laughs> we live in a double-minded culture where everyone is absolutely right. Huh? And, 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 and we live in a culture where people are calling wrong right and right wrong. Are y'all getting that? People are calling wrong right and right wrong, and the only opinion you're allowed to have is the popular opinion. James says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Saul was double-minded. One minute he's swearing David will live. The next minute he's throwing javelins at David. God would say to Saul and say to us, the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart, so purify your heart, Saul. Purify your heart, saints. The problem is the flesh. You're envious, you're jealous, you're rebellious, you're stubborn. Purify your hearts. Let's move on. Look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Not to cover tonight. Look at verse 8. Now, there was a war, underline this, and there was a war again. And David went out and he fought with the Philistines and struck them with a mighty blow and they fled from him. Now, the distressing spirit from the Lord hmm, came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. And then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. 
Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, Honey, if you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow, my dad's going to kill you. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and he fled and he escaped. And Michael took an image and laid it in the bed and put a cover of goat's hair for his head and covered it with clothes. So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. Then Saul sent the messengers back to see David saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I might kill him. And when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with the cover of goat's hair for his head. And then Saul said to Michael, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michael answered and said, Saul or dad, he said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? Now stop right there. I want you to notice something. Look at verse seven and look at the beginning of verse eight. And I want you to look at it in a spiritual context. Look at verse seven. Verse seven tells us, Jonathan, then Jonathan called David and Jonathan told him all these things. So Jonathan then brought David to Saul and he was in the presence as in time past. So David, uh, Saul, and, 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 and kind of makes a truce, if you will, and says, I won't kill, verse six and seven, I won't kill David. There's a truce. And then look at verse eight. Verse eight says, and there was war again, spiritually. Whenever you feel like there's kind of a truce or like a ceasefire, if you will, you know the battle will begin again. Christians, where you at? How many times have you like felt like things are going great? Man, things are going so great. And you're just wondering when the shoe's going to drop because things don't go that great that often. But when things are going great, you're like, oh, man, this is awesome. Things are going great. Spiritually, things are going great. But you think what's around the corner, what's going to happen next? It's almost like whenever there's a truce, you're wondering when the war is going to begin again. Somebody once said peace is that brief glorious moment in history when everyone stops to reload. (laughs) Same is true spiritually, isn't it? I don't know about you, but my life feels like that sometimes. When things are quiet and like a ceasefire. I think the enemy is reloading. There's a truce and there's a war again. Look at verse nine. It tells us that Saul is sitting in the house with a spear in his hand and a distressing spirit came upon him. David is probably thinking, I've seen that spear before. And the devil's on Saul as well. Houston, we got a problem. Saul is playing his guitar with one hand, and I'm sure he's watching, or David's playing his guitar with one hand, I'm sure he's watching Saul at the same time. Look at verse 10. Here comes a javelin. David probably said, I knew it was too good to be true. And it's right here, saints, listen, that David wrote Psalm 59. Right here, David wrote Psalm. Matter of fact, hold your finger here and turn with me. Let's look at Psalm 59. Right here, David wrote Psalm 59. You can hear David's heart in the Psalms. And if you'll notice, at uh, the beginning of uh, the Psalm, it says, uh, when Saul sent men and they watched the house 
in order to kill David. Yes. Remember, verse 11 tells us that Saul had some men watch him and kill him in the morning so they can kill him in the morning. This psalm was written around this time with David thinking about that situation. He says, deliver me from my enemies, O my God, and defend me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from the workers of iniquity and save me from bloodthirsty men. For look, they lie in wait for my life. The mighty gather against me, not for my transgressions, not because I did anything wrong, nor for my sin, O Lord. They run and they prepare themselves through no fault of mine. Awake and help me, and behold, you therefore, O God, God of hosts, the God of Israel, awake to punish all the nations. Do not be merciful to any wicked transgressors. I love David. David said, don't be merciful, Lord. In another psalm, he says, Lord, knock out their teeth. That's in the Bible. Another one says, Lord, slap them. I love David. David's real. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.